What's up, everyone? Got episode one, How Winners Win. I'm Daniel Blue. I got my co-host, Kita Spears. What's up, man? What's up, Man, we are making history today. Very first episode of this podcast. Super excited to be able to talk about a couple components. One, entrepreneurship. You know, Kita and I have been in the entrepreneurship world for quite some time. Uh, we so happen to be in the financial space. So we're going to talk about a very important concept that's not talked about in our schools, which is financial literacy. And more importantly, we're going to talk about hardships. You know, I know Kita has quite the story and uh, we just want to find a way to relate to people because this is going to be a podcast for anyone that is an entrepreneur, wants to become an entrepreneur, wants to make improvements financially, and is just going through some challenges, right? We all have a story. We all have challenges. So we just want to find a way to be able to relate to people, help people to find some experiences that they can overcome and just share some of the things that we've gone through to be able to help some of you out there, maybe speed up the process to get you from point A to point B. So really excited to be able to get some guests on the show. Uh, Kita and I have been in the entrepreneur space for quite some time where we've got some awesome relationships. We're going to bring on some guests that are doing big things in different business verticals and just being able to bring as much value to the people that are listening to this show. Since this is the first podcast, I thought it'd be really important for you guys to know who you're listening to, what's behind the curtain. So, you know, we're out here in Las Vegas. I've had the opportunity of working with Keaton now, and I was actually just looking at it this morning. You first started working with us June 3rd, 2015, yep. and June 3rd is my birthday. So I think <laughs> it's pretty interesting how that all shaped out. But how'd you get to this point, man? Kind of give the, the audience your, your backstory. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for... Uh for teeing me up right there. Uh, yeah, so damn, 2015, I was uh, two years removed from, from high school at the time. So I was uh, 19, 20 years old at the time. So uh, a youngster, nonetheless. Oh, nine? <laughs> oh, nine graduate? Uh, no, no, I was 2013 graduate. <laughs> so I started 2015 uh, at, you know, an original company. So yeah, a young guy in the space of uh, finance, considering that mainly I was dealing with working with retirement accounts. So when you're dealing with retirement accounts, if anyone listening, you're probably thinking of your grandma or maybe your older uncle. You're definitely not thinking of a 20 or 21 year old kid who's still in a fraternity and going and taking classes at UNLV. So <laughs> for a lot of my clients, they probably didn't understand why I was in this business to start with, but Shit, I'm glad I, I glad I stuck with it. To be honest, yeah, I gotta stop you. What's it like being in a fraternity? I've only seen the movie Old School and all the crazy <laughs> stuff they do in, in the fraternity there. Like, you got to get jumped in. Like, you got to get jumped out. Like, <laughs> how does that work? Yeah, only way to leave is in a box, man. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so it's a uh, it, it's actually a lot like business. Um, so you, you recruit people who are like minded, and you guys kind of all have the same values. And you join and have a brotherhood. You know, when they say brothers, like they really truly mean that because you get really good a lot of friends for life. And my fraternity was uh, ZBT at UNLV. And a lot of my brothers who will probably listen to this podcast, a lot of them are in the entrepreneurial space now. So when I say fraternity is a lot like business, you know, you have a, a, a chapter president. That's like your CEO. You know, he's the public relations guy kissing babies and shaking hands. And then you got a team that's going to rush potential freshmen to come join your fraternity. That's like your recruiter in business. That's your headhunter. That's the person who's saying, Hey, that guy's a stud. You know, he, he's likable. He's good at sports or he's a smart guy, whatever the good qualities that you're looking for. Let's go talk to him and let's see if he's interested in something we're doing. 
And then of course the parties and stuff, that's like your, your social mixers. That's your, that's your webinars in business. You know, that's how you get people to like you and see that you're cool, you know? And after all that, now you take them through the hire process. That's, that's rushing. That's what you see in old school. That's the hire process. Weeding out the serious from the curious, right? Exactly. So if you're really serious about it and you're really to take the next step, you're going to, you're going to follow through, you know, that teaches a lot of these young men sticking through because it's not easy. You know, I still don't talk about everything that happened in rush because I took it serious, you know? And so if you want to do it, and I highly recommend it for anyone who's young, listening to it, explore Greek life. Cause it's going to make you into something that, you know, maybe you didn't know you could be. Let's uh, let's take a step back because, you know, I've worked with you long enough to know your, your story and just all the just crazy stuff that you you've overcome, but like help the audience understand, you know, talked a little bit about your mom, your dad, you know, how just talk about that a little bit. If you yeah. Could. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely don't have a, a conventional uh, come up story. So in the beginning, I guess you could say it was pretty cut and dry, like a standard uh, two family, two parent household. So backstory, my parents are older. So they, my mom was 40 years old when she had me, you know, my dad was 53, Dang. you know, and I'm my dad's seventh child, you know, so definitely a lot of, that's the reason why I get the, you're such an old soul, Kita. you know, it's because I legitimately had old you were parents. L- listening to earth, wind and fire when you're four, <laughs> yeah. you know, like literally come on. singing it from the top of my lungs. So uh, for the first 10 years of my life, you know, pretty cut and dry, you know, two income household. So Christmas was my favorite time of the year. I was an only child too. So you can imagine what my trees would look like. It was great. And then October 5th, 2005, which sounds like so long ago, but I can remember it so specifically. It was a Wednesday to be exact. And that's the day that my dad passed away. And that's what changed my life forever. And a little bit of backstory about how he even got to passing away. He's a healthy guy. Even though he had me at an old age, he was 63 at the time, he was still healthy. He still did 100 push-ups a day before he got ready for work, you know? So he was no, no scrub, but he got a rare disease called amyloidosis. And at the time, about eight in a million people would get it. So super, super rare disease. And essentially what it does is it enlarges all your organs, so you know, heart is two times bigger, you know, everything like that. And because it's so rare, it took two years of going to doctors in Vegas to get diagnosed, you know, so it was a struggle from the jump. So then October 5th, everything changed. That's when I technically became, you know, the man in my household at 10 years old. You know, Not a lot of people will say they're the man of the house at 10 years old. There's some 22 year olds that are listening to right now that still aren't the man of their own house, you know, so I had to do it very early. So I went from two income household, great Christmases to one income household in 2005. And if you guys follow anything to do with finance, you probably know what's going to happen three years from now in 2008, 2009. We get the great financial crisis that takes away jobs, decimates the housing market and leaves me and my mom to fend for ourselves on one income. So yeah, the next few years got pretty interesting, almost got uh, kicked out of our house multiple occasions, um, three months behind a rent, you name it, avoiding phone calls to not pick up the phone for a debt collector. That was something I was taught on an early age to not always pick up the phone, you know, uh, but I can say all in all, while going through that, my childhood was no different from anyone else's. I never let any of the things that were happening at home affect me in my schoolwork, you know, still did well in school, honors classes, AP classes, the whole nine. 
And I still participated in sports the entire time because football was a thing that me and my dad connected on when I was a kid. So I stayed with football until I graduated. So even going through all those trials and tribulations at my house, I never let it bleed over into the work that I was doing or work that I was responsible at the time, which is going to class and getting good grades. So I mean, let me ask you this, like I'm putting myself in your mom's shoes. Like I can't imagine how, how she felt, right? Like the, the whole death of your dad just came out of just, you know, out of nowhere. So, you know, you guys are having to recover and just keep moving forward. Like, like what's one like big thing that you learned from your mom during, during that time? I mean, there's a lot because almost every saying that I say today in my adulthood is direct correlation to stuff that I learned from my mom. Um, but one of the main things that I learned is, you know, no one cares about your money more than you do because the mortgage companies were doing a lot of shady stuff back in 2008, 2009. There was not a lot of regulation. So my mom had to check the checker a lot of times just for us to stay in our house. You know, there was often times where they were overcharging her on her bills. So no one cares about your money more than you do. And you're going to find that really, really helpful when you're scrounging and counting change to make sure that you got groceries or tuna fish in the, in the cupboard so I can eat. You know, so knowing what your money's doing and how it's working for you, it's good to know when it sucks, when you're broke. But that rule applies now when I'm not broke and I'm not scraping pennies. So that's probably the biggest takeaway that I got. And then also I'd probably include in that is never give up. You know, there's plenty of times that she could have just lost our house that I was raised in and we could just moved into an apartment. I guess it quote unquote would have been easier and no one would have knocked her for it. Actually, people would have been like, you probably should have done that. But she still has that house today. It's 2021. It's the date of this podcast. Man, like, so when you walk into that house, like, there's probably got to be some times where you just, like, just think about the past that makes you down, makes you sad for that moment in time. But then also, like, all it takes is for you to look at your mom and be like, dang, mom, like, you the shit, you know? Like, how many, how many times <laughs> she was crying in her room and then got out of her room, wiped her away her tears and then, you know, went back to you. Right. And like, I've met your mom. So I know she's just a fighter, a warrior. Like she, she's a boss. Yeah. Know, so she is. And that's after, you know, 25 years of corporate, you know, working her tail off in sales. I mean, she had a six figure job in sales. So Apple didn't fall too far from the tree when it came to picking up sales. So that was a, a big drop to go from a two-income household making over six figures to one person, and now all that stress and bills is on one person's plate. So had to overcome some huge adversity. I mean, I don't know the statistics, but, you know, I don't know too, too many people that have lost their, their mom or their dad, you know, at that young of an age. So you had to overcome a, a really big, you know, ch- uh, challenge at that point in life and then found a way to still go to school. Like, what, what are you up to now, man? Like, what's really... Like, what pushes your button now? Like, what are you really excited about at, at this stage in the game? That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> what I really want to do is I don't want anyone to have to go through the things that I went through, you know, in 2005, 2008, 2009 with my family. So teaching people money is my way of giving back. You know, if I can teach someone who's 30 and has a kid to get a life insurance policy early. Like, for instance, once I found out about life insurance, I was like, man, if we just had a life insurance policy on my dad, you know, half the financial stress would have been off off of her plate. You know, that goes a long way. House could have been paid for all that struggle of her calling the mortgage company, negotiating this, that and the third, hoping for Congress to pass bills to help, you know, housing relief. 
that would have been out the picture. So my way of giving back and what I'm up to now and what kind of gets me fired up is teaching people about money. You know, if you're not making it, you know, you're losing it because we got inflation. The Fed just bumped it, pumped in a bunch of money into our economy last year because of the COVID situation. So for me, it's teaching people how to have uh, an understanding of what money's doing, how it works and how it could work for them. Because I saw my mom work way too hard for money. And then thankfully she had a little bit to get my dad past where we got to. But at the end of the day, she wasn't left with anything. So if you didn't have money in the first place, my situation probably would have been a lot worse. But if you had some other strategies implemented, which, you know, that's the reason why I teach people money. You don't have to worry about anything. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's why I made the statement earlier. Like, you know, we talk about financial literacy, whether it's insurance, investing, taxes, like how does a mortgage even work, credit score. I mean, like the list goes on and on. Like they don't teach that kind of stuff in school, right? You know, like your dad not having, so your dad did not have an insurance policy at no, all. No insurance policy, 401k, you know, the, the standard stuff. But when it came to life insurance, to be quite honest, my father was a big health nut, which was made, which made this loss even more crazy. If you look at like my, my mom and dad, when it came to healthy habits, they are polar opposites. My mom would drink coffee and a Coca-Cola and an apple fritter donut every single day for work, which is partly why she has diabetes now. And my dad, on the other hand, drinks water the entire day, hasn't had soda in years and would only eat fish, turkey and hardly had red meat. And he's the one who ends up passing away. So to him, health insurance or life insurance, he didn't even go to the doctor. You know, so it wasn't even a thought to him. But had I maybe had someone maybe taught him that life insurance isn't just about when you die. It's about a tool that you can use while you're living. You know, it's a safety net. Maybe he could have viewed it different as, as opposed to the food that he consumes and the vitamins that he takes as a safety net. Like, I, I don't need it. Right. It's I mean, exactly like, his thought. you know, like for me, I'm paying about $60 a month, uh, $55 a month. And I've got a, a million dollar policy. This is basic term insurance, right? But like, if I die, a million dollars isn't anything really in the grand scheme. We've got a daughter, wife, but at least you want to have something. But as you alluded to, there's other insurance vehicles that are out there that, you know, can compound, can grow, give you tax-free money. And, uh, and I'm sure we're going to get a, a, a badass guest that we can bring on the show to, you know, give a ton of value to the audience in terms of, you know, insurance has this stigma where it's just like, you know, it's shady or it's like, I don't need to talk about it. I don't need to hear about it. But, you know, definitely, uh, like you said, if your dad would have had it, you know, there could have been some, some different situations that, uh, came about. I mean, a huge thing. I mean, partly what got my dad even to the point of, uh, you know, 2005 to even get diagnosed, my mom had to use her 401k, you know? So I know from a very early age that, you know, money's super important. You don't have to be obsessed with money. My parents weren't obsessed with money by any stretch of the nature, but it's what much better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. So that's something that my mom taught me. Yeah. One of my mentors, like one of his sayings is choose your heart. Like it is hard being broke, right? Like I'll share my story here in a little bit. And, and, you know, we both have been at a point where we've been broke, like being hard is broke, right? Like you're having to choose between, all right, I'm going to spend my $10, $20 over here, or am I going to spend my $10, $20 over here, right? Like being broke isn't easy. Uh, neither is having money, right? Like that's hard too. Cause then you have other, you know, problems, other challenges, other things you're trying to overcome. But, you know, if you have the knowledge and the know-how money is just a, a tool, 
you know, they say, they say money buys, you know, happiness. I mean, we can debate that. I know people out there that are, you know, super successful and have a lot of money and, you know, for whatever reason, they're not happy. Um, but money can give us a lot of the tools that we need to, to live a happy life. It's hard to argue that. Yeah, man. You want to hear a crazy stat I just saw not too long ago on Instagram? Mike Tyson, Iron Mike, over $300 million in career earnings, files bankruptcy, $20 million in debt. It's really easy to make money. It's very, very difficult to keep it. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's why you got to have the right mindset, the right people around you, the right team. You have to be intentional with your money. I mean, if Mike would have done it right, you know, he could have lived within his means and, uh, you know, had his money invested somewhere, growing compound interest, living off the dividends, not touching the principal. I mean, you know, there's a million different ways that he could have done it better, but I'm sure if you go down to the core of it all is, uh, you know, choices. You just didn't make good choices financially, um, spent more than he made. And then the people around him, right? Like show me the five people that you have around you. And like, I'm going to show you what your life is going to look like here really soon. So, you know, I don't know what a circle looked like, but, uh, if he had a better circle probably would have been a better, you know, different outcome, you know? Hey, you know, when Don King's in your circle, I mean, I'm sure you're going to end up broke. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. what about you, Blue? What's uh, what's your background? Man, well, that's probably why we've been like, you know, working together for quite some time. Like we, we have some different connections. I, I didn't lose my dad, you know, like, like you did at your age, but uh similar background, man. Like you're a mama's boy, bro. I am. Oh yeah. I am too. So like, you know, I, I'm saying you're a mama's boy with no malice. It's just, I am as well. So I, I know, I know when I see one. So, you know, for me, like it's, it's, it's eerie how you're describing your, um, beginning childhood because that's how mine was, bro. Like I was an only child. Um, I did have a half brother and a half sister that I call them full, full blood. Like I don't look at them as like, yo, yo, you're my half brother. Um, but they're 10, 11 years older than me. So they were around, but you know, not around every single day. So I was a only child for a lot of the time. And, uh, my, my mom worked as a social worker, full-time CPS, child protective services. So she's going in and out of houses, seeing a bunch of crazy stuff, bunch of shenanigans with, you know, parents on drugs, visiting the parents and jails and parents losing their kids, you know, so she's seeing that stuff every day. And then my dad, uh, he worked in the, the paralegal, the immigration side of things. So we were middle-class, you know, like we had a house in the cul-de-sac, we had the basketball court, you know, hooked up and, uh, the and Nintendo 64 hooked up all the friends, all the homies would come over. We'd play GoldenEye and Mario Kart. And, yeah. uh, you know, this is when NSYNC and Backstreet's Boys were, you know, that was the big thing. And, uh, you know, American Online, AOL, you've got mail. You know, that just <laughs> came about, right? So that was the era that I grew up in. And uh, middle class, right? Like we weren't balling, balling, but, you know, we weren't broke. Um, but my my life really shifted um, when I was about 12. Um, my parents got divorced and, and my dad made a choice to move to Mexico. And that left me in, in my mom. And uh, just like you in your situation, like a single mother raising a teenager it is freaking tough, Teenage right? Boy at that. Yeah. Too. I mean, like you got freaking hormones, like you got pimples all over your face. You're just freaking, you're a pain in the ass to deal with, you know? So I, I really feel for my mom and I, I saw her struggle a lot because she's working full time. We're living in California at the time, right? Cost of living is super high. So 
you know, my, uh, my life completely shifted at, at that point. And there were times where, you know, in high school we lived with friends. We didn't even have our own house. Uh, there was a point in time where we actually lived in a hotel for a month. I remember clearly, you know, sleeping in the hotel room with my mom and we had, uh, our dog, an 80 pound lab and freaking, I would just hear him like licking his balls while I'm trying to sleep. I'm like, bro, <laughs> like I look at my mom, like, when are we going to get a house mom? Like, mm-hmm. this is crazy. And, uh, like I was just real life. I was going to school during this time and then um, ended up uh, really not having any direction. Like school was something that kind of came natural to me. Like I would get B's without really trying, um, but I would ditch. I wouldn't show up to school a lot. I didn't know what I want to do in my life. And uh, I just knew I wanted to do good. I knew I, I saw my mom struggle and I'm just like, okay, like this isn't the life for me and my mom. Like I want to pay her back for her sacrificing for me. Right. But I had no idea what vehicle was going to get me to have and live a good life and not worry about money. Um, so I ended up going to college because that's what society tells you to do, right? Like, even though you don't know what you want to do, go to college. Mm-hmm. Like, go get in debt. So did that. And um, I dropped out like six months into it because I had no idea what I was even going to school for. And then um, ended up getting a sales gig, ended up jumping on the phones. And um, I always tell people, like, if you don't know what you want to do in your life, but, you know, you do want to find a way to, to make more than the average salary, average income out there, like, get a freaking sales position, whether it's jumping on the phones, whether it's going door to door, like, get in sales. Because if you can land a sales job and learn how to freaking work, right, like, have days where you just grind and you don't make money, but then the next day it happens, like live that commission lifestyle teaches you a lot of value, right? Like that's how life is, right? Like there's a day or two a week, things aren't going your way, but then at the end of the month you crush it, right? Like life is not going to be good every single day. And sales taught me that, you know, a lot of fundamental lessons in, in sales. And then, um, was just able to get to a point where I got pretty decent at sales and uh, was able to get to a point, you know, through the help of others, you know, and, and uh, having mentors and people in my life, um, especially my mom, where you know, I was able to get to a point where I became an entrepreneur and uh, like super blessed to have people like you. Uh, that I work with, you know, it's crazy to think that we've been working together for, for six, you know, six years, dude. And, um, you know, and that's why I'm really excited to do this show. Like, you know, when you and I were talking about doing a podcast, you know, the first thing we came up with is financial literacy, because, you know, we've got customers in all 50 states, we help them with different financial strategies. But are we just going to get on the podcast and talk about freaking finances? Like, we're going to bore people. I literally already have a podcast like that. Great material. boring voice. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and we don't want to do that. You know, we want to share, sprinkle some financial strategies because it's our duty. We feel like to, you know, pull back the curtain and, and go over some things you're not going to hear from your CPAs, your financial advisors, your friends, your families. Um, so we're definitely going to bring some of the financial flavor to the game, but we want to talk about entrepreneurial type of things too, right? Like, you know, right now we're, we're doing this podcast from our office here in Las Vegas. You know, I'm fortunate enough to have a team, like there's employees here. We have real clients. So like we deal with operations and sales and marketing and culture, and we're not perfect by any means. Um, but we just want to be able to document and share some of the things that have worked for us over the years. Um, and maybe some things that we're going through right now that haven't worked, you know, that we can share with, with other people as well. 
and then, you know, bring on some really cool guests to share, you know, their experiences as, as well. No, that's, that's probably the most thing I'm most excited about with the podcast is <clears throat> just getting some stuff on, out there, to be honest with you. I can't tell you how many DMs or text messages or just questions come up in conversation with friends about money. Uh, thankfully, after years and years of posting about money, I finally have become the money guy in my friend's circle after, you know, hundreds of people across the nation have trusted me with their money. But that's, you know, another thing is because people don't always want to hear what's right for them. That's a huge thing. I feel like there's a stigma with money is that you can hear the right thing, but unless it comes from the right person, you're never going to take action. How many times has your mom told you to, you know, a dollar earned is a dollar saved, you know? Dollar saved is dollar earned, whatever it is, you know, and how many times have you not done that? You know, it's about it's a honestly, it really matters what channel you're picking up the information from. So uh, I'm super pumped up to kind of put my brain out there to the public and get some feedback from everybody and, and answer questions that are actually relevant. You know, if you want to become financially free, what are the steps to do it? You know, does it always have to be a business? If it's not a business, can you look at your work like a business? How do you get to the next step? You know, and I'd like to answer those questions for for the listeners. Yeah, I mean, we've we've got a bunch of customers that, you know, are crushing it, have a bunch of money in savings, great credit score. You know, they're in a pretty good financial spot. Right. And they're not entrepreneurs like crushing it, getting a bunch of revenue, 1099 or, you know, they're just crushing it in business. Right. Like they have a pretty high paying job. But more importantly, like they're living within their means and they're making good choices, right? Like I know a lot of people and I'm talking to one right now, which is myself, like, man, I made $100,000 when I was 18, 19 years old and I spent $110,000, right? Like I was <laughs> spending more than what I was making. So, you know, it, it comes down to your choices. It comes down to just being super, super intentional about like, where are you spending your money? And then where are you going to put your money? Like, how are you going to have your money work for you? You know, we say this to clients all the time, right? Like you want your money working as hard as you've worked for it, right? Like, cause you worked your tail off for this money. And as you alluded to, we're dealing with inflation, right? If the government's going to keep pumping money in the economy, then there's going to be a ramification from that, which is inflation, right? And then interest rates are ultra low, um, like I remember when my mom and dad bought the house that I was talking about in the cul-de-sac. Um, I mean, this is, you know, shoot, I'm 31. So this is 20, 25 years ago. I want to say they said that the mortgage on that thing, the interest rate on that bad boy was like between like right around 10%. 12%. Like, could you imagine paying that on a mortgage? No, I just, I just bought a home for everyone's disclosure and my rate was a uh, 2.58. Yeah. I mean, that that's one nugget that you guys should take from this right now is like if you have a, a mortgage and you're even paying four or 5%, um, one of our buddies that's in Arate, Charles, um, he hooked up one of, uh, one of the, the, one of the gals, one of the customers that we work with. And she went from like four and a half percent to 2.8% on her mortgage. Like that's going to save her tens of thousands of dollars over 10, 15, 20, 25 years, right? Like a ton of money. Yeah, not even a little bit. So when you see someone, like you said, your parents paying 10% on a mortgage, you know, that's pretty crazy. And um, yeah, I've, basically my professional opinion on it is inflation is going to keep rising. Dollar is going to keep going down. And every single person listening to this conversation needs to be aware, 
and be prepared. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you guys, you know, a good story, a good example here. You know, I bought a house in 2008 and uh, this was in Utah. And when you buy something, whether it's a stock, whether it's a house, a business, like whatever you put your money into, especially when it's a lot of money, like what's your time frame? Like how long do you want to be in that asset and that investment? And I'm saying that because when I was making six figures, I'm 18, 19 years old. I'm like, dude, I'm making a lot of money. Like I want to buy a house. So I just bought a house. Mm-hmm. And this was 2008. This was before the market dropped. I did not know how long I wanted to hold on to that house. I was just like, I want a house. I didn't say to myself, hey, I want to be in this house for at least 10 years. Like that was not my mindset. So, you know, you couple on the fact that at this point in time, I'm spending more than I'm making. Um, You know, you guys are going to get to know me over the course of this podcast. I'm a recovering Oxycontin addict, had a kid at 19 years old, and I have a house payment. I mean, I lost my house, right? And all that was because of my bad choices, my bad decisions. But had I gone into that thinking, okay, yes, I'm buying this property at the high point in the market. And this is what the interest rate is, but I'm going to have this bad boy for 10 years. So I don't care if the housing market takes a shit the next year, the year after, like it doesn't matter because if the stock price goes down or the house price goes down, you don't lose money, right? Like you only lose money when you sell, when you realize that gain. And I think a lot of people forget that. They get so hyped looking at their statements, their Robinhood, their Fidelity, their TD Ameritrade account. They're like, dude, I'm, I'm up 10 grand today or I'm up 30 grand over the last six months. Okay, cool. Is that money in your bank account? Like, did you realize that no. gain? No. Their statement said it. So, but I'm up though, right? <laughs> I mean, that that's the 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 whole point, right? Like, how long do you want to be in that asset? Just so that way you have a good idea and if the market takes a shit, then okay, it's okay cuz you're going to hold on to it for 10 years. You like, plan for it. it exactly. And, and I think a lot of people are, are losing sight on that. Um, so being able to talk about th- more things like that in the nitty-gritty in the next few episodes, I'm definitely really excited to uh to dive in, man, but uh Dude, this is great, bro. This is making history first episode. Guys, we're going to do an episode once a week. Um, for the most part, it's going to be Keita and myself coming up with a certain topic. Maybe it's a topic that we're hearing a lot of, a lot of questions. We're talking about it a lot amongst us. Uh, maybe it's a, a conversation that we have with with a guest, someone that we know can bring a ton of value to uh, the people that are listening to this show. So definitely be on the lookout once a week. We're going to be dropping a podcast and uh, try to bring as much value as we can and be able to change some lives. Oh, yeah, man. That's how winners win, baby. How winners win. Let's do it.